This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We hear a lot of pitches on this show. I mean, no surprise there. It's the name of the podcast. But the entrepreneurs who come on this show, they're pitching more than just a business idea. They're pitching their dream. Because when you run a small business, you're putting your whole self into it. State Farm gets that. And they work with small business owners across the country to help create personalized plans that are built for their small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Gimlet, I'm Josh Muccio. This is The Pitch. On this show, we take you into the room where entrepreneurs pitch investors for funding. On today's episode, a pair of founders hope to cash in on what they think is the next big trend in fitness. But first, they need to convince our investors. Phil Nadell is with Forefront Venture Partners. Phil lets the numbers behind a pitch do all the talking. How much are you raising and on what terms? Jillian Manis is with Structure Capital. She loves a good product, but it's the founders who really catch her attention. You are um, a breath of fresh air. Daniel Galati is here with Comcast Ventures. He likes to step back and look at the big picture in search of products that could result in big money. I just think this is a massive sort of market opportunity here. I think you're going after something really interesting. And on today's episode, in the coveted fourth seat, is Charles Hudson with Precursor Ventures. He invests like an angel, small checks early in a company's life. Even if the concept is unproven, he'll take the risk if he sees potential. I was impressed by your thoughtfulness about the problem, and I think injecting humor in a brand is something I like to see. Before today's pitch even kicks off, there's something in the room that's got the investor's attention. Sitting center stage is a rowing machine, or as those in the know call it, an erg. Is this going to be the Peloton of rowing? I hope so. That I might be in on. See, I... Hello, hello. Hi. The founders, Kevin and Moses, join the rowing machine in the room. You guys have met our friend the erg over here? (laughs) The erg? Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) Well, cool. Well... Uh, my name is Kevin Allen. I'm the CEO of Rovigor. This is Moses. Uh, he is our chief technology officer. So about three years ago, good friend of mine, I've known since I was 13 years old, 20-year uh, fitness professional, came to me and he said, I think there's an opportunity for rowing-based fitness in our space. He said he kept having customers that come to him asking for good rowing-based fitness. And they came to him for- so Kevin did some research. And he discovered that rowing is actually a very effective way to work out. It's a low-impact exercise that works 85% of your muscle groups. I found out a lot of good things about rowing and rowing fitness in general that spelled opportunity for me. A lot of physical therapists recommend rowing, particularly when you have a knee or a hip replacement. I found out that there wasn't really a big national brand for rowing-based fitness. So Kevin and his friend set out to see if they could be the ones to start that first rowing-based fitness brand. In August 2016, Rowvigor was born. They set up a pop-up rowing studio in the D.C. area with the goal of getting 1,000 people to join. We wanted to build a community around rowing-based fitness. Seven months later, we had our 1,000 people. 
Um, we had been written up in the Washington Post. We were rated one of the, the top fitness experiences in the area, and we had opened the first. Over time, they refined their business model, choosing to go after a much larger market than a brick-and-mortar gym, at-home fitness. Essentially, they want to bring rowing right to people's homes through a Bluetooth-enabled rowing machine. Kevin and Moses are valuing their company at $3 million and are here today to raise the $500,000 they need to get their product off the ground. Fast forward to today. I think the timing is right for software that can support rowing-based fitness and a community-based experience at home. Uh, now we're 30 days from launching our in-home product that we call the Vigor Box. Um, the Vigor Box is everything you need to enjoy rowing-based fitness. It includes... In addition to the rowing machine, the Vigor Box will include access to a library of rowing classes. In fact, would you like to see one? We can, yeah. we can show you one of our classes. Yeah. We made our app um, both for the iPad as well as the iPhone. Oh, good. Yeah. This is Moses, Kevin's co-founder. What we did with our brick and mortar, we looked at our most popular classes and we basically um, took the data from that and we selected our top three classes from that. Right. And so here's, here's our fitness partner, Fola. Moses presses play on one of the classes available in the Row Vigor library. Well, I like this. I don't know if I like him or this. <laughs> Either way. On the screen, the instructor, Fola, is walking viewers through a popular rowing routine so they can follow along at home. It's worth noting that unlike a lot of the current fitness trends, Rovigor is going old school with these pre-recorded classes. There won't be live classes that the rowers participate in. No. Like in the, Peloton. In the beginning, there'll be archive classes. Could we go to a live class model? Absolutely. Could we go to a model where we set up cameras inside various studios and strike deals with different brick and mortar based companies? Absolutely. Right now, we're hyper-focused on an archive-based solution, on the training, on the goal setting. But these are all possibilities for us down the line. So, Phil, you're a big Peloton person, correct? I like their business model a lot. I don't have one. I don't oh, I thought one. you had one. No. I think a lot of people who, friends of mine who use Peloton, they say two things about the live classes they like. One is that they see that leaderboard and they see themselves competing and how they're doing on the leaderboard. Oh, right. And the other is that they get um, shout outs from the uh, from the instructor, from mm -hmm. the leader, right. who says, you know, come on, Jillian, pick it up. Right. You know, you're in 32nd place. Right. Come on, you can do it. Right. And they actually get that motivation real time live from them. This competition element that Phil is talking about is at the heart of a lot of the current blockbuster fitness brands, including Peloton and CrossFit. While they certainly have their differences, CrossFit is a brick-and-mortar gym, while Peloton is home-based fitness, they both have this one important thing in common, live classes that promote a sense of community among their members. But Kevin thinks those brands are missing out on an even bigger opportunity. One of the things we see in the fitness market is that a lot of people are putting content out, which Peloton is doing in, in an outstanding way, but they're not supporting their customers in a journey. I was talking to a woman the other day who has a Peloton bike and she says, I love it, I love the classes. But what I don't love is the there's no accountability. No one's telling me that I have to go to class. No one's asking about me if I don't join that class. Rovigor has found a way to unlock that accountability piece by connecting each member with a personal trainer. The trainer will work with members to make sure they're hitting their fitness goals. 
somebody is there looking at your data saying, hey, Kevin, you've only been on the earth once this week. You have a goal in six months to be ready for your daughter's wedding. Why aren't you getting on the earth? <laughs> so we make everybody give us a goal. We onboard them that way. And we continually refine those goals. How specific does a goal have to be? Because I'd imagine a lot of people are like, I just want to get in shape. That's yeah. kind of a, it's, it's not as specific yeah. as like, it's not tied to an event. It's not tied to a specific weight yeah. loss goal. It's like, I just want to get in shape. That's one. And two, what does retention, like what does retention have to look like for a service like this for it to make sense for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, we want to be north of 85% in terms of, of keeping people in, engaged. We think we can do better than that. We're, you know, we're, we're looking at this in the 90, 95% range just because of the elements that we talked about. Um, that would be yeah. insanely Off phenomenal. Church, right? <laughs> for your category. Yeah, that'd be like a whole other world. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we also believe that uh, in, in terms of, of goal setting, you can make it as specific as you want to make it. We would want the person, and the reason we, and we have a very specific process laid out that includes you setting a goal first, which may be very general, and then us following up and asking you a question or two. That's that personal training piece, and that's why that's so important. And the personal trainer does more than just help you set goals. First of all, we do teach the right rowing technique. On the app, all the time, is somebody showing you the proper rowing technique. Second of all, because we allow basically FaceTime for uh, Row Vigor, you can actually plug in, show a trainer, this is how I'm rowing, and they can correct you real time through the application. I actually really like the hybrid model that you guys are going for, like the personal trainer plus the mm -hmm. content library. How does content creation work? How does that piece of the puzzle fit? So at the mm -hmm. moment, it sounds like you guys mm -hmm. are kind of developing your own uh programs, developing your own, uh, you know, content, essentially, uh, on the app. What's mm -hmm. that piece? So early on, we we're going to replicate what has been successful for us to date, and that's filming existing classes, basically stage classes. So like you might see on, on the kind of the going back to the old Jane Fonda workouts and, and those I sorts of things. I love those. <laughs> I still have that, by the way, on I mean, the tape. I'm not great. kidding you. And I, still have the I still have the machine because I can't get it on a desk. I kid you not. <laughs> I, I, I even have those little workout things on, you know, the, those leg little, oh, the, leg the leggings. They're, uh, they're, wow, they're sexy, aren't they? I mean, they Those are coming back, sexy. aren't they? I, totally. I feel like they're coming they back. Like absolutely. I can see that. Yeah, it's a little totally. scary in my mind. It, unbelievable. It you've done it a lot of times. My, yeah. my wife does our kettlebell workout every day. Like, really? that's her thing. So the kettlebell, okay, go back to the thing and I'm, then we'll ask. So yeah. You're filming existing work. Filming existing work out staged so not going into a class and filming a live class getting it staged running about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per production we're working to get that cost down with our producer how um, many do you have in the, in the camera we have three archive now and that's your own that's our own row vigor content kevin's trying to sell investors on the fact that row vigor is on its way to building a huge library of high production classes but is high production really a selling point for people? Uh, when I think about m media like that, I think a lot about um, substitutable media. Like I go on YouTube, I find something that's like not as high production value, but you, you know, I can probably yeah, I can probably find like a hundred videos on how to how to row the right Optimize way. Right? It, yeah. Is this content so much better than the free substitutes out there? that folks would be willing to pay. And I get that there's a community element too, so I'm not just anchoring on the content, but 
Have you seen any proof points around um, willingness to pay for, you know, a library of that high production value content? Well, I mean, there, there's a there's plenty of models out there where people are streaming content and, and getting paid for it. And then, how much is a consumer paying for the annual Vigor subscription? Box. And well, yeah, for the to, well, oh, first for the, for the Vigor yeah. Box, what are they paying for the Vigor Box with the Concept Two and a year's worth of subscriptions? About fourteen hundred dollars. And have, but just the, so, um, if I renew my subscription in year two, how much am I paying? It'll be twenty five dollars a month right now on average. We're looking at a tiered strategy where we're giving users access to content based on that pricing. So the twenty five dollars a month includes how much? Twenty five dollars a month will include thirty minutes of personal training per month. Um, and and get you um, access to all of our content as it stands today. For every question, Kevin has an answer, but the investors aren't showing their cards, and it's hard to tell if they think the Vigor Box is the next it thing in fitness. Does the consumer want this bundle? So. Um... Uh, I can go out and get a rowing machine. I can go out and subscribe to Move With. I can go out and get a personal trainer, right? And that costs me X dollars, and that's a kind of unbundled solution. This is a this is a bundled solution. Uh, why am I why am I going for the, for your bundle? Convenience mostly. Uh, rowing is probably new to a lot of people in our consumer base, so they're saying I need a solution where somebody's going to support me um, in being successful at what I do. Yeah. That's why we believe that people will come to us and want the whole bundle. It's not about just throwing content at you. Yeah. It's about making you successful as a fitness person, as somebody who wants to have a healthy lifestyle. I guess, I guess my point was I can still get that um, in a in a, in a piecemeal way. You can. Uh, outside of Rovigo. It's a convenience play, quite honestly. Is it a price play? Because um, that, w- that would be compelling if it was. Like, the, personal, you know. the, the personal training piece is certainly a price play because if you're going to get somebody personally, you know, it could cost you $100, $150, $200 an hour yeah. or up. Because we're doing this virtually, we can, we can offer it at a much reduced pricing point. Yeah. So there is some value to that. Yeah. But to Daniel's point, can I unbundle if my gym has a rowing machine and I'm like, hey, I, I just am looking mm-hmm. to augment my workout. Mm-hmm. I like... The class, I like the instruction, I like FOLA, I like mm-hmm. the experience, but I don't want to buy a Rovigor for my house. Absolutely. Can I just, so you can have a headless, basically a headless subscription. We, we have an app only okay. um, model as well built into this. So you can buy the app, you can buy the bundle, yeah. um, you know, you can buy this in, in whatever pieces that you want. So that changes things a bit. You don't have to spend $1,400 with Rovigor. You could buy your rowing machine elsewhere. Or if you're one of those hardcore fitness people with your own personal erg, you can still use the Rovigor app a la carte, starting at $25 a month. But even with this kind of flexibility, it remains to be seen if it'll be enough to get people to change their fitness routine. So where are you in terms of traction? Where are you with revenue and, and what stage yet? I don't have a sense of that. So, so we're 30 days away from launch. Um, so we've got the application together. Um, we've got, uh, we're, we're polishing now. We've started pre-sales last week, um, just putting out saying, hey, we're going to have a bigger box. Here's what it looks like. Would you rent it or would you buy it? Um, so we're already starting to get indications of interest from there. But we are pre-revenue with regard to the product. We've made some money. How much? Um, excuse me? How much? How much? How much have you made? 
Uh, we made $40,000 during our little experiment in the brick and mortar. But again, that was designed to be an experiment. I don't really consider that revenue because yeah. it's not based on the model that we had. Okay. So we are pre-revenue technically, but, okay. but we're ready to go. Kevin has made his case. Now it's up to the investors. Here's Phil. Well, uh, I think, you know, it's a cool model. Uh, I like what you're doing based on where you are today. Mm-hmm. It's relatively simple because I feel like, you know, it's it's too early. It's mm-hmm. pre-revenue. Sure. Uh, I don't invest in pre-revenue companies. So those are some of my thoughts for, for why sure. uh, I'm passing. Phil's out. Here's Daniel. So the bundle thing is still like a thing for me. Um, I, I'm just not putting myself in the mind of the consumer. I'm not totally bought in on the fact that this bundled offering really um, creates kind of a utility surplus for me as a consumer because as a consumer, I can pick my own trainer, I can choose my own rowing machine, I can subscribe to whatever content library I want. And so to me, this actually feels like more restrictive. I don't mean to interrupt, but could, couldn't you make that same argument for Peloton in a sense? No, because Peloton, no. And I thought I, that's, I asked myself the same question. Yeah, why, and why Peloton to me feels, it's proprietary hardware. It's well, a but live, you can get a bike. It's, it's a live class that um, that is uh, kind of run concurrently with other Peloton users, feels like a true community. Yeah. You hit on a good point there. And, and that's what I was wondering about early on. Yeah. The, the difference in their model is sort of this static content versus the live community feel. And I think that's and all, I think that's a big difference. The question is like, do I want to invest in the business that you guys are presenting us, yeah, right? And yeah. the business that you're presenting us is not a live class, right. you know, right. thing. It's but, a, but then it's, you're, so it sounds like you, your objection, which I would agree with by the yeah. way, is that something that may be missing here is that live component. You're right. I think if you if you guys were fo- if you guys said, "Hey, Rovega is literally the next Peloton where we're going to develop custom hardware and you know uh, have synchronous um, instruction," I think that would lead me down the path of this is a real community. There is a real network effect here, and there's real stickiness here. Mm-hmm. Instead, I think what you've pitched is a different model. That proposition that you're offering me as a consumer. Um, kind of isn't compelling enough to generate a $100 million, $500 million, you know, enterprise value opportunity. You'll, you'll make a business. It just won't be a disruptive venture scale business. Well, I, I, I hear you and, and I, I appreciate that feedback. Um, I, I... Even though Daniel sounds like he's going to pass, Kevin's still making his pitch. But I, I think, you know, the, the thing I love about where we are now is that we're, we're really excited to get to market, look at the data. And, and this, this $500,000 allows us to get the traction that we need, we think, to ratchet up the valuation and put ourselves in a position to really succeed and, and win this category. Yeah. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on this round. I think when the business feels a little bit more, when the product feels a little bit more stitched together, mm-hmm. I'd love to revisit and, and, uh, and meet you guys again. Daniel's out. Here's Charles. So I invest almost exclusively in pre-revenue companies. I, I'm struggling with the thing that Daniel alluded to. Like I, I like everything that you said. The issue I'm having is I could tell a story that says 
go all brick and mortar. And there is a rowing studio near my office that's packed. So something's happening in rowing. I would love to stay in touch with you because I feel like you have too many things that you could explore and they're all interesting. And I have a feeling that when you settle on the thing that you're you're going to do as the model, I could tell you 10 different stories that all work. Doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what you guys decide to do. So for me, this is a, I, I really wanted to say yes to this one because I have a really good feeling about you in particular, Kevin, and you, Moses, that you all are not going to get wedded to something that doesn't work. But I just want to know what the it is first. I don't even care about the pre-revenue. I just feel like the model has too many options in it. And I'd love to see you just put a, a firmer stake in the ground because I think you could build a product in this category. I just don't have the answer for what it looks like. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Julian. Um, so, uh, I'm learning a lot from all of them. All right. On this one. Um, and I'm a fitness fanatic. So I'm like all excited about everything when it comes to fitness. Um, I do think we've got to try it to buy it you know, to buy into it. And I think the content creation around the rowing is not as costly, you know, it's not as capital intense. And I do think that there's something there that you should just continue to create that and see if you can get some traction in that way, but it wouldn't take you off, you know, your business model going forward. Um, that's my thought around this. So I'm not going to invest in this. And I do, I do want to stay in touch because I do think you have something here. Would you all indulge me for uh, just a moment uh, while, we, while I kind of brainstorm out loud with you? Um, one of the reasons why, you know, we see this raise as being so important is we're looking for partnerships, right? We're, we're not looking for um, an investment to, you know, kind of a friends and family elk where it's like, hey, I believe in you guys, it's great, and, and we're going to go home and tell me how it works out. Um, we're looking for people that can sit in a room like this and have these discussions with us so we can start to figure some of these things out. I wonder, is there a model where we say we're going to take ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, and if the metrics look like X, Y, and Z, we'll double down and make an investment. Would, have you all done anything like that in the past? Kevin isn't ready to take no for an answer. After getting four no's, he's coming back to investors and basically saying, what's 15 or 20K? Take a flyer on me. Um, I can give you, I don't know, my, yeah. my thought on that. Um, I've never done that. I don't like doing that. I don't think I uh, will look to do that. Like there's so many more dimensions to making an investment decision other than, um, you know, are we going to hit these short-term metrics, mm -hmm. which by the way, I've been a founder, there are ways to game that anyway, right? <laughs> so, um, so I think in terms of like a metrics-based pre-negotiated investment deal, it's, it, I'm just speaking for myself, it's just something that I do. I agree. Um, Me nor I. None of the investors are biting on this last minute plea. Have you ever thought of the Kickstarter? Have you thought of raising money around we've that? Been, we've been giving a lot of thought to Kickstarter. Okay. Yeah, and I agree, you know, from their, from your perspective, I, I don't think you want to raise $20,000 right. or a small amount like that from, from VCs. I think, you know, you need to find a way to fund that. Uh, but I think, you know, for that's short money, you know, and you should fund, either fund that yourselves, friends and family, or, um, or do like a Kickstarter to try to, try to prove that out.
That's a great course. I think Kickstarter could be a, a great way to show how impactful we can be and then then look to, you know, look to the raise as more fuel on the fire as opposed and take some of that, uh, mitigate some of the risk that's inherent in a Absolutely. company our stage. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin and Moses finally admit defeat. But while they didn't get the funding they were looking for, they did get some solid encouragement from our investors. And the kind of let's stay in touch sentiment that might mean nothing, but could eventually turn into something. After the founders leave the room, the investors speak freely. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think we gave them a good course of action I in terms too. of, you know, they're just early. Yeah. I think, you know, they yeah. have they have a good good core of an idea and they need to figure out which there's so many directions yeah. they can go just with gotta it. Take a point of view. Yes. And you can't just be like there's like seven different things. Like yeah. you just got to take a point of view. Yeah. Yeah, figure out their the, which direction they want to really yeah. go all in on and uh, and then do it right liked him though i liked him really a lot. really liked i like moses he moses obviously the kind of pensive Quieter, quiet yeah. you know techy yeah. right but uh yeah kim i mean uh Kevin should have his own podcast. He totally oh, should. Oh, for sure. And by the way, if they do the Kickstarter, he would be great oh, on the Kickstarter huge. video. I mean, kidding? he'd be great on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know? Him, I think, and Foley. <laughs> after the break, I call Kevin up and find out what happened after his pitch. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. As rewarding as it may be, small business owners have a lot riding on their shoulders. It's a lot of stress to own, run, and grow your small business, not to mention finding someone who can give you the answers and support you need. But State Farm agents aren't just there to understand your small business needs, they're there to prioritize them and help create personalized plans with your needs in mind. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. About a month after Kevin pitched our investors, I called him up to see how things are going with Rovigor's launch. Well, since the pitch, um, you know, we really took the advice of the panel uh, to heart, and and the message was sort of loud and clear for us. Uh, what we heard was like, you guys have a great model, we love what you're doing, but we need to see some traction out of your core product. And yeah. so uh, we we talked a lot about how to get traction, and and Kickstarter uh, was one of the ways that that we saw a path for ourselves to to get traction and kind of prove the model. So we've been head down, getting ourselves ready for a Kickstarter campaign we hope to launch in the near future. You're kidding. So you switched gears. What you're telling me is you are raising a Kickstarter in lieu of raising VC funds. That's correct. That's oh, correct. Wow. That's an about face. 
It it is it is, and you have to be you have to be flexible like that, Josh. I mean, you know this well. Um, when when investors tell you that you know this is what we're looking for to invest in a company like yours, you have to be responsive to that. And you know we've shown this kind of uh, this kind of mentality throughout the history of our company. You know they told us, hey, build an app, so we build an app. You know in three months they told us, hey, prove the concept, so we opened a gym uh, and got a thousand people. This is what we do. Being on the pitch was was so instrumental in helping us make this decision and under. Understanding how an investor looks at a company at our stage and what they're looking for, uh, and it, it gave us the confidence to move forward and, and get done uh, a project like this and, and get forward, get moving um, to 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 get some uh, some proof of concept, which is which is then bankable. Yeah, what what do you remember from the pitch to the four investors? Like what stands out in your mind? You know what stands out in my mind is you know I I really had this this whole thing in my head how it was going to go right and and it completely did not go that way. <laughs> what happened? I, 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 well, you know, and, and I think that's a good thing. It it turned into such a conversation around the the you know the the direction that we were going as a company around the product and and around where the market was going. It it kind of. Um, it 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 actually went a lot better than I had anticipated. Really, um, I, and and I think part of the reason was, you know, I really do believe that the investors liked what they saw in our model and in what we had done. And to get to a point where you can have a conversation around your business model and and get specific direction in terms of what the next steps need to be, I mean, that's a win. Um, and and I didn't think we were going to get to to that, um, and and we did, and and that was that was in my mind a real blessing for us. Wow, you really are not looking at this as a as a failure at all. Uh, it almost sounds like you're just saying like, oh yeah, they they said no, but they told us exactly what we needed to do before they would invest, and so we're going to go do that, and then they're going to invest. That's right. That's that's how I think about it, and, and that's what I heard from the investors. You know, if if getting that kind of feedback is is so valuable uh, for a company at our stage, you know, you, you'd be you'd be stupid not to listen. Um, and and so we're listening. There was one moment in the pitch where I think it was right after all the investors had passed, and you said, "What if you guys put in a small check, twenty thousand dollars now, and?" There was a condition where if we met certain numbers, you'd put more money in later. And you almost gave that as kind of a last ditch effort, something I've never seen on this show before. I've heard of it happening. I've heard of, you know, investors investing that way. Um, but I've never seen it on the show. Is that something that like has worked for you in the past? Have you ever actually done that? I've never even asked that question before, but but I can <laughs> I can tell you no I, I I'm not I, I can tell you what my mindset was um, and and kind of what I was thinking. Um, first of all, it, you know I I qualified the heck out of it, right? I mean it's like I've I've never done this before, or thought about it that much, but <laughs> this is something that's coming to my mind now. That, that really um, hit you in the moment. It did. It it did. And and what I was thinking was, you know, the conversation's going so well, but I, I feel the resistance, right, from the investors. And I feel it based on traction. And and, you know, to put ourselves thinking about, okay, so how do I address this traction concern with the investors right now? Right, right. Because and you need the it. money to get the traction. This is that whole like chicken and egg thing. How do we bridge the gap? That's exactly right. So so what I thought in my head is like, can I just do a, you know, can I essentially get a 
uh, a small campaign funded as a proof of concept. So, so instead of doing something like a Kickstarter, are the investors, you know, in enough to say, ah, well, that's not a bad idea. I can stick a toe in the water and get, you know, get, uh, uh, get, be first in line. Um, and, and, you know, just thinking like, just socializing that with them was, was my thought and saying, I wonder how they're going to respond to that. And if there's anything else, um, that I may not be thinking about that has happened in the back rooms of, of the deals that they have made mm-hmm. that, that lend itself to something like that. You just wanted them to think creatively, like, okay, what would it take for you guys to make a deal here today? That's right. Total Hail Mary. But, you know, um, my, my son's favorite team is the, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. <laughs> Um, you know, so sometimes you sometimes you make a catch, right? And and so uh, sometimes, sometimes in the fourth you, you quarter, you got like ten seconds left. You got one play. You aren't even near That's the right. and you know the end zone. You just got to go for it. <laughs> All right, maybe a rowing metaphor would have been more apt, but I don't know any rowing metaphors. I do have to hand it to Kevin though for thinking creatively in the moment and for not going down without a fight. That's exactly the kind of scrappy mentality you need as a founder if you want to make it in this dog-eat-dog world. We're wishing Kevin and Moses the best as they plan on taking their Kickstarter live within the month. Hey, so I wanted to let you, the listener, know that we're doing something a little different. We're opening up the phone lines for a special episode we've got planned. And we want to hear from you. Anything from questions about entrepreneurship to questions about the show. Whatever you have on your mind. It could be something you want to ask the investors or a founder or me. Give us a ring at 347-915-3123 and leave us a voicemail. Or if you prefer to email your question, send it to the pitch at gimletmedia.com. Okay, we've got a brand new episode for you next week. So stay tuned after the credits to hear scenes from that episode. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Molly Donahue, and Kareem Maddox. We are edited by Devin Taylor. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by The Musemaker and Bobby Lord. We were mixed by Enoch Kim, with help from Matt Bowl. Lisa Muccio plans our recording events, and thanks to Asta Chathurvedi for her reporting on this episode. I'd like to thank Brian Dixon and the team at Capital Innovators for introducing us to Roe Baker. And a quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. See you next week. Next week on The Pitch. I would have thought that like 90% of retailers already have apps. So, And so are we kind of too late? So or? 2% of retailers have mobile applications right now. Wow, that's shocking. There are wolves in sheep's clothing that are building mobile apps that you can download from the app store. Who are those wolves? Do you want me to put them? I don't want to really put them out there like that. New episodes come out on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen. This episode of The Pitch was brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you can tell every business owner has a unique set of problems to solve. 
That's why small business owners want someone to not only understand, but prioritize their needs. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know how to help you choose personalized plans to fit your needs and budget. They get it, plain and simple. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.